happen? Sorry, I didn't have all my stuff gathered up. I was kind of lost in the moment there. I appreciate that this morning, guys. Worship was excellent as always. Good morning, everybody. Man, it is good to see all y'all. I am really excited about today. The Lord has been speaking a lot, and uh, I cannot wait to share it with you guys. Um, last week, we finished up with chapter 2 of, uh, of the book of Hebrews, and we discussed the humanity of Jesus. And I wanted to, you know, I always like to kind of recap and get us back where we left off. Um, but I wanted to share some things that happened in our life group last week, and nobody in life group needs to panic. I'm not about to tell your stories. Um, but in our life group, probably like yours, we gather together and we eat. Our life group does snacks, and they always end up with a theme. We don't plan it, but uh, last week was no exception to that. And we gather and we eat and we laugh a lot. We joke. Last week in particular, we were telling stories. I was telling stories of stupid things I'd done as a, most of my life. Um, and it was fun. And in that moment, like as we're laughing, like we had moved beyond the time frame when I'm supposed to actually start Bible study. And I was aware of it, but it was just, you know, you get in those moments and everybody's sharing their stories and you're just having such a good time. And so I was letting that roll and, and kind of as the story was ending, the Holy Spirit just impressed on me that as we were talking about the humanity of Jesus, that Jesus was the kind of guy who would be sitting at a table, eating a meal, laughing with his friends. And man, it was so we spent our whole life group talking about that idea because that's truth. We see that in Scripture that Jesus was a good Baptist in a lot of ways because he liked to eat and he gathered people around meals. And, and there was significance. There's something, we've talked about this before, there's something spiritual that happens when you break bread together. And as we were doing that in life group, it was such a unique opportunity. And, and what we talked about is that most of the world doesn't, most of us don't think of Jesus in those terms very often. We think of him as the son of God who is holy and perfect and all of those things are true, but it's not very often we think about the human side. Scripture tells us he was 100% man and that is not something that we dwell on often. It was such a blessing for us to, to think about that. You know, the, the focus of this study in the book of Hebrews is a story worth sharing. That's what we talked about from the very beginning of this. And man, what a great idea to share with the people in our lives that desperately need to know Jesus is the fact that he was just a guy who loved to eat good food and laugh at his friends and with his friends. Because he did laugh at his friends. Peter did some dumb stuff. You know it's true. Okay? So for us today, as we are diving into the scripture, I want us to, to remember and to understand that our goal as a church, one of our distinctives is to know God progressively. And I felt like for myself and for our life group last week that that was kind of another step in our progression of understanding the person of Jesus is understanding that he was a human. That the scripture shared, and we're going to look at this again in a minute, that, that all of the things that we experience, he also experienced. And that is what qualified them. That's part of what made him perfect for us but I don't want to get ahead of myself okay this week we're going to have a similar progression of understanding if we'll plug in this morning if we'll listen to what the Holy Spirit has for us there's going to be a new part of Jesus's character and his nature that we maybe didn't understand before we're going to learn a truth that Jesus was not only just like us but he was more than we could ever be Today we're going to learn about the person of Jesus and the role that he plays on our behalf before the Father. I loved all the songs today and the direction that the Lord 
led Leah because they are preaching the message before the message. Look with me at Hebrews chapter 2, verse 17 that we, left, that we read last week. It says, Therefore, he had to be like his brothers and sisters in every way so that he could become a merciful and faithful high priest in matters pertaining to God to make atonement for the sins of the people. I didn't mention this last week because I, I try to just kind of focus on one truth at a time. But there's something that's mentioned in verse 17 that is significant. And I want to draw our attention to it today. And as we move into chapter 3, verse 1, we're going to hear the author of the Hebrew book echo this same thing. But, and what that is, is, is a high priest. That he says that, that in every way, he, so that he could become a merciful and faithful high priest. And so today what we want to talk about is, what even is a high priest? That's not a word that we use very often. It's not in our vocabulary. It's not in our mind frame. And you can correct me if I'm wrong right now. Is a high priest something you talk about often? I didn't think so. Okay, good. We're on the same page. So like many other things that we encounter in Scripture, we see them, we accept them as truth, but we don't really think about what they mean. In order for us to understand what is being communicated to this church that needed encouragement, we got to put ourselves in their shoes. And that's kind of always been my approach is to think about how do I take this scripture, this truth that we see, and how do I make it real in my life and in your life? How do I put handles on it? So not only can you just read and go, yeah, okay, Jesus was high priest, but what does that mean for you? And so that's my goal for today. We're going to talk simply about the idea that Jesus is the perfect high priest and what that means for you and I. If we're going to understand this concept, um, it is helpful for us to think of it in terms of things that we do understand. To put it simply, a high priest is a representative or a mediator between people and God. He's also tasked with making sure that all of the requirements of the law are fulfilled and are met. What immediately comes to mind when you think of the word representative? For me, it's a politician, okay? I'm going to talk politics for a, morning, for a minute, but just hang in there with me. There's a purpose. I'm not telling you who to vote for. That's not what we're going for, okay? For me, a, a representative like in the house is what comes to mind. A person that's been selected from among many people, given authority over them, and represents that group with others that are in places of power. At least that's what they're supposed to do. So a few years ago, um, I got word from a friend of mine that there was a, you know how often there'll be a law that's going to affect and they'll tack an amendment on the side of it that has nothing to do with the law in order to get things done that people want done? I don't like it. I don't like it because it seems dishonest because unless you find out about it, you don't know that those are there, okay? So there's an amendment that was snuck into a bill and the amendment would change the name of a school. And you may think that that's not a big deal, but it was significant for the people who had graduated from that school. Imagine for a moment, this is not the school that it was happening to, but imagine for a moment that a, a representative snuck an amendment into a bill that would change LSU from being LSU to something long and wordy and ridiculous. What would that do for the state of Louisiana? It would be horrible, right? Instead of LSU Tigers, it would be blah, 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 Tigers. Exactly. It's a good thing you're moving. That would be significant. So, as you should, I called my representative and said, hey, this bill is coming up. There's this amendment on it. I would like you to vote no for that amendment. That's what I'm asking you to do. 
And as I was sharing that with him, he said, Will, I can't tell you how many people have called me today about this, and they're all asking the same thing that you are. But I'm not going to do it. What? That's, that's literally your job, is to hear from the people and represent what they want represented. And he said, yeah, I understand that, Will, but if I do that, the person that sponsored that amendment, um, it, it's, it, he is, uh, has a lot of power, and it would be political suicide for me. And you can call me a coward if you want to, but I'm not going to vote no. To say that I was infuriated, it doesn't even touch it. And, and here's the deal, church, is you've, you've probably had an experience like that. It may not be in the realm of politics. It may be that maybe when you were in school, you're working on a group project and not everybody in the group was working as hard as you were and, th and that reflected in your grade. Have you had that happen to you before? You know how that feels, right? When somebody else doesn't do what they're supposed to do and it affects you personally. Or perhaps uh, in a job, you have somebody that's in authority over you and they make a decision that's going to affect everybody on your level, but they don't ask you what your opinion is or what you would like. They just make it with no regard to how it's going to make you feel and how it's going to affect your life. Or perhaps you're part of a social group and someone that's in that social group says something on behalf of the whole group that's not representative of what the group stands for. And now you have been mislabeled as something other than what you are. You see, nobody likes to be misrepresented. It is not something that feels good to us. And often when someone is going to represent us, that makes us a lot nervous. Because we're not sure if they can be trusted or if, if they will speak on our behalf well. You see, at the end of the day, what we all want is we want to know that we've been heard. And I don't mean like when you ask your kid, did you hear me? And they go, yes. Not that kind of heard. I'm talking about heard in a way that you are understood, that you are empathized with, that that person has placed themselves in your shoes and they understand where you're coming from, because that's much different. Today, what we're going to see as we dig into scripture is that Jesus, as the perfect high priest, is our representative to God, that he represents us but unlike those experiences that we've all had being misrepresented he will never misrepresent us look with me today at hebrews chapter 2 we're going to read verses 17 through verse 1 it says therefore he had to be like his brothers and sisters in every way so that he could become a merciful and faithful high priest in matters pertaining to god to make atonement for the sins of the people for since he himself has suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are tempted. Therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession. The author of Hebrews is telling the church that Jesus made himself just like them, lived through the same things that we live through, that they lived through, so that he could completely understand their life experiences and therefore be the perfect mediator on their behalf. This process was purposeful so that Jesus could become a merciful and faithful high priest. That's what the scripture tells us. If our desire is to be heard and understood right where we are, there is no one else that we will ever meet that is more qualified for that position than Jesus Christ. And I hope that you begin to see that today. 
In order for us to understand this idea of what a high priest is supposed to do, I wanted us to look today at Numbers chapter 16, verses 47 through 48. I hope that, that you all saw that I asked you to read Numbers chapter 16 Friday night on Facebook in preparation for this because I, I like to, to share Scripture, to define Scripture, but often if I read a big chunk, I'm, I know how this works, I lose people. Okay, And so I'm going to summarize it today, so if you didn't get a chance to read it, it's okay. So in Numbers chapter 16, we see Moses and Aaron. Remember, Moses is the one that delivered Israel from slavery in Egypt. And you remember that Moses, uh, when God calls him, he says, but, but Lord, I, I, I can't speak. And, Mo, and God said, who made your mouth? But then he also appoints Aaron to go and speak on Moses' behalf. And so when we see Moses before Pharaoh, Aaron is the one that's doing the talking. Even though God is using Moses, he also is using Aaron as a part of that role. And so today, here we are, we, we know the trouble that Israel has in the wilderness. And here we are in the wilderness, and there's a group of three men who are opposed to Aaron and Moses. They don't want them to be in charge anymore. And so they approach them with a multitude, it's 250 other men with them to take power and authority from Moses and Aaron. And it says that the Lord put a cloud down over Moses and Aaron to hide them. And, and keep in mind that to to try to, to revolt against the leadership that God has put in place is to revolt against who? God himself. And so here these men are trying to take on Moses and Aaron, not understanding that they are also taking on God. And, and in order to, to squelch the rebellion, it says the Lord in anger made a plague begin to sweep across them. And then let's pick up in Numbers chapter 16, verses 47 through 48, because I want you to see at how Moses and Aaron respond to this. And keep in mind that they came to kill Moses and Aaron. That was their intent. And look at how they respond. It says, so Aaron took his fire pan as Moses had ordered. That was what they put incense in, so that makes sense. So Aaron took his fire pan as Moses had ordered, ran into the middle of the assembly, and saw that the plague had begun among the people. And after he added incense, he made atonement for the people. He stood between the dead and the living, and the plague was halted. Let's wrap our brains around that for a minute. Here's a group of men who came to kill Moses and Aaron. And the Lord decides that they will be the ones that die. And not just the 250, but all of Israel. A plague begins to sweep around them. Put yourself in the place of Moses and Aaron. What is your first thought? Is it to save the people or to save yourself? If we're honest, we're thinking about us. But Moses and Aaron both have the same response. Aaron grabs the incense and he runs out into the group of people that are going to try to kill him to halt the plague. He's saving the people that are trying to kill him. He stands, it says, between death and life. That where he ran through the crowd, the plague was halted. There were dead on this side and living on this side. He placed himself in the place of harm. He did not know if he would die from the plague. It, scripture doesn't say that he knew that that would be a possibility. But if a plague is coming through, we have a little experience with that, right? What do we do? We protect ourselves. But Aaron runs in the middle of the plague to protect the people that he loves. This week in preparing for this, I read a, a wonderful sermon by Charles Spurgeon. And I want to share 
some of the points that he makes, okay? And, and I don't typically like to give a lot of points. These are sub-points to support the main point that Jesus is a perfect high priest for us to understand it, okay? And I also want to say these are Charles Spurgeon words. So if you go, well, that's not a word anymore. Well, it was when he wrote it, okay? So point number one is, and, and he's, he's pointing out that, that these, are, these characteristics are exhibited in Aaron and perfected in Jesus, okay? So he's making a parallel here, the one that we're already making in our minds. That if Aaron was a great high priest, Jesus was even greater. So point number one is that he was a lover, okay? And get your mind out of the gutter. Y'all have heard the song, Hillsong 1993, Jesus, lover of my soul. That's the kind of lover we're talking about, okay? Aaron loved his people. He loved Israel. But Jesus loved all of us. Number two, he's the atoner. Aaron offered a sacrifice to atone for the sin that was happening in Israel at that moment. But Jesus makes atonement for all of our sins. Number three, he was the interposer. Aaron stood between Israel and the plague, saving the lives of the people of Israel. Jesus stands between life and death and saves the lives of all people. Number four, he's a savior. Aaron was moved by the love for his people to save their lives. Jesus is love and offers his life in exchange for yours. And number five, he was the divider. Aaron literally stands with life on one side and death on the other. Where he ran the people, there was a separation. Some lived and some died. But Jesus is the division between God's people and those who are not. Without Jesus, you cannot get to God. And that's why he's the perfect high priest. When the author of Hebrews is referencing a high priest, the church would have immediately thought of Moses and Aaron. That's where their minds would have gone. They would have remembered Moses and Aaron who delivered them from Egypt, who was the mediator between God and Israel in the wilderness. What is no, most notable for me in this story is that there is clear disregard from Aaron on behalf of his own life. He doesn't even think of it. He runs out in the midst of the people to save them. The people's lives were more important than his own. And by running out amongst the people in the middle of a sweeping plague, he's demonstrating his love and his obedience for God. The author of Hebrews is making the connection that while Aaron, what Aaron did for Israel was incredible, it pales in comparison to what Jesus has done for all of mankind. Look with me at Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1. Again, it says, Therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our, con our confession. Consider. Think about this. This is what he's saying to them. Think about it for a moment. We know how great Moses and Aaron were. We've heard those stories our whole life. But now think about what Jesus has done for us. Jesus was sent on a mission to earth to be the great and perfect mediator between God and His creation. He wants them to understand the greatness of who Jesus is, which is demonstrated by His life, His death, and His resurrection. Think about the degree of separation that must have existed between the people of God prior to Jesus' death. Have you ever thought about that before? You see, we take, I think we take this for granted because 
we have the Holy Spirit in us. And we don't understand that degree of separation. The idea that I am here and God is over there in the Holy of Holies and the only way that I could ever hope to have any kind of relationship with God is to go through this man. As I was thinking about this week, do you remember who the high priests were? I don't remember all their names. There was a couple of them. When Jesus was crucified, Ananias was one of them. Caiaphas was one of them. Those were the men who were supposed to represent God to the people. And they were the ones leading the charge to crucify His Son. Do you see the problem? We felt it in the beginning when we thought about times that we are misrepresented in a political sense or in our jobs or in school or in social circles. Imagine being misrepresented with a holy God. Do you feel the problem? It is significant. And so Jesus walks into the scene. And He becomes our mediator. He becomes the go-between. For those people, the hope of salvation was literally unreachable. They could not do it on their own. They must depend upon the priest to make atonement for their sins. The gap that had to be bridged by someone that while operating at their best of intentions was still fallible. Even if they were doing the best that they could do, they were still sinful. They were still going to make mistakes. The author is telling the church that Jesus, this man who was crucified, that the apostles were preaching about, the Son of God, came to be the perfect, merciful high priest. He's saying, no longer do you have to count on any of these men who are sinful, who are fallible. Even if they're trying their best, you don't have to rely on them anymore. Jesus has bridged the gap for you to go from you all the way to God. That is significant for them. In church, it's significant for us. We understand what they didn't because we have the Holy Spirit. We understand that people will fail us. But Jesus never will. Jesus never will. All morning we've had our minds in the past thinking about what it meant for the Hebrew people. But I want us to jump forward to today. And I want you to read this with me again. But I want you to put yourself in this passage, I'm going to read it again, verse three, chapter 3, verse 1, but I'm going to do Will's Amplified Version, okay? So bear with me, and I want you to think about what this means for you. Therefore, holy brothers and sisters, and he's talking to you, Craig, Colleen, Leah, David, Debbie, Mickey, Carrie, Kara, David, Julie, no, I was looking past her. I had a moment where I forgot Cypress's name. Sorry, guys. But that's who he's talking to, brothers and sisters, people of the church, who share in a heavenly calling. Our calling is to be followers of Christ. So all of us who share in a heavenly caller, consider Jesus. Think about him in this way. Think about him and share with everyone that he is the faithful high priest, the apostle who was sent on a mission by God and priest to perfectly, mercifully, and faithfully represent you of our confession, the message of Jesus Christ as Savior of all, the perfect and final sacrifice whose blood covers all sins, whose life was given in place of ours, a graceful, loving friend who did what no one else could ever do, 
redeemed you and redeemed our broken relationship with God. Consider this. Think about this. That Jesus did this for you and for I. And he did it for all people. We've been talking about for a couple of months now, this is a, sh- a story worth sharing. Church, there is no greater story to share than this one. That we will not be misrepresented by Jesus. That he came to be the perfect high priest for us. To share with people what that means. This is a message that is as much needed today as it was when it was first written to the, book, to the people of, of, uh, of the church. We need to be reminded that we are perfectly represented by Jesus. He was made like us and experienced everything that we do so that he could perfectly represent us, so that he could understand. The church, just like us, have never known what it means to be perfectly represented until Jesus shows up in our lives. And for the people around us, the vast majority of them don't know that Jesus didn't come to judge them. When they think of Jesus, they think of judgment. They think of condemnation. But we know and we read in Scripture that that's not why Jesus came. Jesus came to love them right where they are, as they are. That is a message that the world needs to hear. That the man that was sent to represent them, the Son of God that was sent to represent them, is representing them the way He was called to do it. Not by judging, not by condemning, but by loving them we have a message to share with the world around us that Jesus came to be the perfect mediator to make atonement for our sins to do what we and no other person ever could and that is to bridge the gap that existed between us and God we have a hope that cannot be found anywhere else in this world and that is the hope of Jesus Jesus fixed the broken system He gave Himself so that each and every person could feel and experience and understand the love of the one true God. Jesus did that for us. He stands between us and God as a high priest, as a mediator, as a representative. He looks at us and He looks at God and He says, look at this guy right here. I made him. And he is perfect just the way he is. Does he have sin in his life? Yes, but I'm going to handle that. But just where he is, I love him. I love her. He loves you. That's a message that we have to share. Let's pray. God, I'm so thankful for your, your word to this today. God, that what you've taught me this week about who you are and, and what you do on our behalf. Father, it is my my hope, my desire, my prayer that as we go throughout our week, as we do life with the people that you've placed around us, Father, that you would give us opportunities to share this truth that while so many in this world misrepresent us, you do not. You love us exactly as we are. You bring us before the Father and say, look at this child, this brother, this sister of mine whom I love. Father, help that to move from just head knowledge to our hearts. Help it to affect the way that we engage with you. God, that we don't have to try to be perfect. 
that in you we are made perfect by your power, not by ours. Let that be the story that we share. Amen. Go ahead and